Mozart's Violin from Le Nut Autoule by an unknown author. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wayne Cook. About forty years ago, a poor dealer in knick-knacks and bric-a-brac named Rutler took up his abode at the upper extremity of the Faubourg St. Joseph in Vienna. The scanty profits of his little trade, but ill sufficed for the support of a young wife and fourteen children, the oldest of whom was but sixteen years of age. Rutler, however, notwithstanding the discouraging position of his affairs, was kind-hearted, ever ready to serve his friends, and the needy traveller was never known to quit his door without the benefit of his advice or his charity. An individual whose serious deportment and benevolent expression of countenance were calculated to inspire respect and interest, passed regularly every day before the door of Rutter's shop. The individual in question was evidently struggling against the influence of a desperate malady. Nature seemed no longer to have any charms in his eyes. A languid smile would, however, play around his discolored lips as Rutler's children each morning saluted him on his passage, or heedlessly pursued him with their infant gambols. On such occasions his eyes were raised to heaven, and seemed in silence to implore for the young innocence an existence happier than his. Rutler, who had remarked the stranger, and who seized every occasion to be of service, had obtained the privilege of offering him a seat every morning on his return from his usual walk. The stranger frankly accepted the proffered civility, and Rutler's children often warmly disputed with each other the prerogative of setting the humble stool before their father's guest. One day the stranger returned from his walk rather earlier than usual. Rutler's children accosted him with smiles. Sir, said they, Mama has this night given us a pretty new sister. Upon this, the stranger, leaning on the arm of the eldest child, presented himself in Rutler's shop, and kindly asked after his wife. Rutler, who was going out, confirmed his children's prattle, and after thanking his guest for his inquiries, Yes, sir, said he, this is the fifteenth that Providence has sent us. Worthy man, cried the stranger, in a tone of anxiety and sympathy, and yet a scanty portion of the treasure showered on the courtiers of Schombrum lights not on your humble dwelling. Age of iron, when talent, virtue, honor are admired only when the tomb closes on them forever. But, he added, have you a godfather for your infant? Alas, sir, the poor man with difficulty finds a sponsor for his child. For my other children I have usually claimed the good offices of some chance passer or neighbor as poor as myself. Call her Gabrielle. Here are a hundred florins for the christening feast to which I invite myself, and by taking charge of which you will oblige me. Rutler hesitated. Come, come, said the stranger. Take them. When you know me better, you will see that I am unworthy to share your sorrows. But you can render me a service. I perceive a violin in your shop. Bring it me here to this table. I have a sudden idea which I must commit to paper. 
Rutler hastily detached the violin from the peg to which it was suspended, and gave it to the stranger, whose skill drew from the instrument such extraordinary sounds that the street was soon filled with a crowd of inquisitive listeners. A number of personages of the highest distinction, recognizing the artist by his melody, stopped their carriages. The stranger, entirely engrossed by his composition, paid no attention to the crowd that surrounded Rutler's shop. When he had terminated, he thrust into his pocket the paper on which he had been writing, left his address with Rutler, and took leave of him, intimating that he should expect to receive due notice of the christening. Three days elapsed, and the stranger returned no more. In vain, Rutler's children placed the stool before their father's door. On the third day, several people, dressed in black, and their countenances impressed with the seal of woe, stopped before the humble seat, which they contemplated with sadness. Rutler then determined to make some personal inquiries as to the fate of his former guest. He arrived at the house to which the stranger had addressed him. The door was hung with black. A coffin was illuminated with an immense quantity of wax lights. A crowd of artists, of grandees, of scientific and literary men, deplored the fatal event that had taken place. For the first time, the truth flashed across Rutler's mind. He learned with astonishment that he, whose funeral obsequies were on the point of celebration, his guest, his benefactor, the proposed godfather of his child, was Mozart. Mozart had exhaled his last melodious sigh at Rutler's miserable threshold. Seated on the shapeless stool, he had composed his harmonious requiem, the last strain of Germany's expiring swan. Rutler paid the last sad tribute of respect to one whom he had honored and revered without knowing him. Returning home, he was astonished to find his modest asylum invaded by the idle crowd, who often incense the shrine only when the deity has departed. The circumstances just detailed brought Rutler's establishment into vogue and enabled him to amass a competence and provide for his fifteen children. Conformably to the wish expressed by Mozart, the youngest was named Gabriel, and the violin on which the great composer had played a few days before his death served as the marriage portion of his goddaughter when she had attained the age of sixteen. The same violin was afterwards sold for four thousand florins. With the seat on which Mozart had sat, Rutler never would consent to part, notwithstanding the tempting sums offered for it. The honest merchant resolved to keep it as a monument at once of his former poverty and of his present good fortune. End of Mozart's Violin by unknown author.